Welcome to the Monday Minute of the Huntback Country podcast. Uh, these are our shorter and more informal episodes where we answer your listener questions. Steve, we're recording this one just extra early this morning behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be... Uh, I wanted to do it last night, but the damn Super Bowl went so late <laughs> that I kind of threw it out of the rain. And uh, um, yeah, busy busy couple of days before we take off for Salt Lake. Got a, uh, I started like working on my to-do list for the next two days and it's like i i don't think i can get this all done but we're gonna give her hell yeah how do we fit all this in before we leave yeah lots going on lots of fun stuff lots of excitement it will be great to get to salt lake for the hunt expo and uh hopefully see many of you guys again we'll be there same location as last time if you're familiar with our booth and that location otherwise i think it's 4430 is that number if you're maybe coming to hunt expo for the first time and then uh, again, we've mentioned, but we won't be at the Pacific Northwest Sportsman Show, which unfortunately is happening at the very same time. But you can go see a display pack and sign up for a show special discount at Portland if you go to the PN Wild booth or the Born and Raised Outdoors booth. They will both have an EXO display, and you can learn more and get signed up for a special discount there since we are not able to make it in person. But yeah, lots going on. But thanks as always to you guys for your questions. We have um, just a bunch to really go through, more than we can go through today, but keep sending them in. Uh, it's a lot of excitement just thinking about application season and even starting to get like some spring bear questions and realize how quick that's coming around the corner. Uh, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. That is See, coming quick. I had that photo pop up from our hunt a couple of years where we doubled up, but I sent that to you. That yeah. was a fun, fun memory, fun hunt. That was a lot of fun. We, I don't even know if I told you this, on Friday, Steve released a bonus episode. It was a conversation that you and I recorded with Kyle for his podcast oh. about the death hike and some of the lessons we've learned over the years. And that was a just a cool conversation. And Kyle was up for letting us share it. So we released that on Friday, but um death hikes definitely top of mind among many other things for me and i think mm -hmm. for you uh how are you feeling about things how's training are you weighing any decisions things like that uh training's been going really really well i the i'm kind of doing two or three the workouts a day right now for the last couple of weeks so whether that's like hike four miles and then jump on a bike, you know, typically it's been crappy. So I've got that Peloton jump on that at night and then also do like some type of lifting, strengthening, strength training. Um, so I've been doing that and things are, things are looking good. I did a, did do a hike yesterday morning. It was cold enough in the morning. The trails weren't too muddy yet. And uh, it was, I felt like I was going real slow, you know, just one of those days where you're not feeling good. And I ended up doing the, it's a, just a four mile loop. Um, and it, with a 50 pound pack, and I did it just a touch over one hour, which go back like a couple of years. I remember having to like really push to do that. Right. Average four miles an hour, uh, for that, for four miles with a 50 pound pack. Um, so, uh, I know my body's doing good and definitely been focusing a lot on just building a really good base. Uh, and then I'm going to start kind of getting, I'm just kind of expanding on that, I guess you could say, here um, really as soon as we get back from Hunt Expo and and plot out more of a, I'm not uh, as structured probably as you are, but definitely want to start plotting out, like, all right, what's the next six weeks look like? Kind of have, you know, 
easy, not easy weeks, but like kind of less intense, kind of more endurance based weeks, have strength weeks, just keep kind of bouncing around. Um, so that, um, uh, ready to rock. And I think I've got a good plan, like game plan going into the hike. I'm still working on that, but like trying to really structure out like, all right, hike 10 miles, you know, at this pace, take a 10 minute rest, hike the 10 miles at this pace, take an hour rest, something like that. Um, so we'll see. It's going to be here quick. I'm I'm in a similar situation where I've been trying to increase training, but also it's kind of like knowing Hunt Expo is coming and going to throw a wrench in schedules and we'll get on hike while we're there. We always do, but definitely yeah. it's like once we get back from that, you can really, as you said, I've been planning on like sit down, look at the calendar, try to add some structure, try to build in some like mini events, you know, some longer stuff that I'm really mm -hmm. going to have to structure and plan around, but it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be coming quick for sure. Uh, first kind of listener question was really a follow-up uh, to last week. We had a few different follow-ups in different contexts, but one in particular just wanted to mention. This guy wrote in and said, I just listened to your podcast where a person was reluctant to buy a K4 because the lid didn't convert into a day pack or a hip bag. And this guy went on to say, I am a K4 owner and have easily converted my K4 lid to wear independently using some webbing and buckles to make that happen. And then he went on to say, in fact, you could even use the K4 strap extension kit that you guys, talking about us at Dexo, sell to get most of what you need to make this happen. And then he said, I'm sure you guys are aware of what's possible, but I just wanted to let other listeners know that there are ways to make a K4 or K3 lid work independently. Um, so yeah, I just mentioned that as a follow-up. Definitely aware that things are possible essentially with, yeah, I mean, not just our packs, but so much out there. There's a lot of things that are possible if you do some modification, some webbing, some buckles that may or may not involve sewing. In this case, you don't have to sew anything, but you can kind of quote-unquote rig it to make something happen. As we, you know, mentioned, we don't design for the lid to be an independent pack um but this guy was just mentioning hey it's possible and i think that goes back to you know part of my comment like in the discussion last week was if you try to make it make the lid an independent pack you're kind of going to compromise on both right and so i think that's just worth mentioning why we don't necessarily advertise like hey it's possible to do this it is but we don't feel it's just like a good solution you know like it's a it's a compromise it's a quote-unquote rigged solution it's not an ideal product and so uh there's lots of stuff that's maybe possible that we're not going to necessarily endorse because we don't feel like it's a, a great solution if you think that's a fair way to put it steve yeah and i'm trying to find the words that i want to use here um but yeah, essentially just hold the product, the overall like performance of the product in the field to such a high level that it's like, if I I know I can't do that in a simple way, I'm just not going to do it, right? I'll see plenty of products out there, whatever. I'm like, I can't believe somebody actually put this on the market. You know, it's got these glaring flaws, um, but then people are fans of it and they make it work. And um, so, I, but I just put... You know, I hold everything we do to the highest standard. And um, yeah, so if it's like it's kind of a half-ass attempt at making a lid work as a fanny pack, it's just kind of, no, that's, yeah, it doesn't work for us. 
Um, moving on, there was someone who wrote in. He said, I'm a new hunter that has been listening to your podcast a lot, and I have a question for my situation. As a brand new hunter who is currently getting my license and learning all I can, but has no family or mentor to help me, what should I do to get involved and learn? Whether it be get tags, just go out and learn, try to find a hunting club, etc. I'm just getting stumped. What would you do if you were in my position today? He said, I'm from the East Coast and am interested in hunting whitetail here, but I'm also interested in hunting Western big game, such as elk, mule deer, and antelope. So I think that's worth bringing up, not even if maybe the guy listening right now isn't this listener, but maybe for all of us, because um, really, as I thought more about this question, my advice for him, I think, applies to a lot of us. And honestly, something I still have to remind myself of. And that is just narrow your focus. It is going to be incredibly intimidating, overwhelming, potentially confusing and daunting. If like this guy for his situation, he's just getting started learning and he's listening to all kinds of podcasts and reading all kinds of information and looking at all kinds of options. And, you know, it's a great thing in today's day and age that access to information isn't the problem. Um, finding information isn't the problem. It's that there's actually too much information. That's the problem. And so like for this guy, and again, this applies to all of us, I would say narrow your focus because if not, if you don't set like some very specific focus, very specific goal, very specific hunt, you can just waste a lot of time spinning your wheels, learning about things that may or may not apply to you at the current moment. And so like I would go so far as to say for this guy, if he's just brand new hunting and he's on the East Coast and he wants to hunt out West, but it's not going to happen for two or three or five years maybe ignore it for now like or put it very much out on the margins and just focus on what can i do here where i live and maybe that's hunting whitetail and maybe that means he shouldn't listen to our podcast uh yeah. and i say that as a half joke but i'm also really serious i'm not saying you can't get value out of it but i would just say make sure that your priority in terms of the information you're learning and what you're giving your time and attention to actually matches your goals. And maybe you do have a goal to go out West, but if that's five years away, don't listen to our podcast, go listen to a whitetail hunting podcast. Um, go do something that is going to apply to you quicker. That's going to help you learn in your current context and ignore everything else. Uh, and again, I have to apply this to me because there's lots of things I want to do. I want to learn about, uh, I want to dive into, but I purposely have to remind myself to ignore them because they're just not for my current state in life, stage of life, current goals. They don't apply. Um, like a really good example of that is, you know, I have this interest that someday I do want to hunt more with a trad bow and get into trad bows. And we've had guests on the show and we've talked about it a little bit here and there. And I purposely just have to almost ignore all of that stuff because it just flat out doesn't apply right now. And I'm not saying that I wouldn't get benefit like from 
picking up a trad bow today and starting to shoot with it. But it's just not practical for me to do anything else at this point in time. Um, and so, again, if you're a new hunter or maybe you're a hunter who's been moderately successful at different things, but you feel kind of scatterbrained and don't have a focus, I would just say narrow your focus. And that includes what you listen to, what you watch, what you read about, everything else, and make progress there. And then just know that later down the road, you can always add to that. So I don't know if anything in general comes to mind for you, Steve, for this guy, or just kind of on that topic. No, I think you're really spot on advice there of, of say, narrow your focus slash find something that is achievable this year, right? So like you said, if it, Western hunting isn't that, but killing a whitetail is, okay, I can do that. Let's focus on that. And then just like, you know, every human out there, like they, everyone wants to do something or, you know, someday I'm going to do this. Like, and my advice is just freaking get a running start and jump off that cliff and have confidence in yourself that you're going to figure it out. So yeah, this applies to everything in life that you'd want to do until you actually just take that first big step and commit. You're never going to you know get off the couch and do it. So just start and figure and just know that you're going to figure it out, know that, there's going to be, you know, you're going to make mistakes. There's going to be imperfections, but be like cognizant, be aware like when you, when those do happen and make notes of them so you can fix them in the future and, and just start. Yeah. And then other, yeah, go to, from getting into the hunting community, I can certainly see how that's tough. So it's like, certainly you need to put yourself out there and meet some people and go to places where hunters are going to be, whether that's uh, at a rifle shooting match just going to a simple trade show, uh, finding a local hunting organization and, and joining or going to some dinner event they put on. You, you do have to go put yourself out there and meet some other hunters. And there's no better place to do that, frankly, right, than just going to something that's uh, a hunting-themed event and, and just start. Yeah, for guys like on the East Coast or Midwest who maybe want to get more into the Western world, you know, a lot of times they struggle and that's kind of this guy's context. But I would echo what you said, Steve. I, I mean, there's so many chapters and local chapters of like take Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation that are going to have some sort of like banquet or dinner or what have you. Uh, some of the conservation organizations have like local chapters or branches and may do like a 3D archery shoot or just, I mean, there's so many opportunities. Um, sometimes you have to seek them out, but as great as the internet is and podcasts are and all that, I echo that like look local try and do something in person and you can probably make some connections that are going to help you or at least find somebody else who's in your shoes and you guys can kind of learn together for sure so that's definitely something i would do if i was in this guy's shoes all right a gear question steve this guy wrote in and said what sleeping bag would you recommend for a large framed guy i'm not particularly tall but I weigh 240 and I'm very broad at the shoulders specifically. I really struggle to find a sleeping bag that fits my shoulders. I know from the podcast that you guys are a fan of quilts, but for some reason I struggle with the idea of a quilt. Just some background and info for what I want to do. I have historically hunted off horses, but more and more I'm doing some solo hunts and not taking the horses on those solo hunts. And I would like to do some backpacking trips for two to three days solo. He said, last year I purchased a cave worth 3,600 and I absolutely love it. I'm just looking to dial in my sleep system for future hunts. 
And then he said, for context, I hunt mostly in central Idaho backcountry from spring bear to early and late deer and elk seasons. I'd like to find something somewhat budget friendly, but ultimately I will pay more to get quality if I have to. So there's a lot in there. Um, I want to talk about like paying more for quality in the sleep system and what that kind of means. Um, but first, for this guy, his real concern, his first primary concern was fit and being very broad in the shoulders. And the first thing I would say is take an actual measurement. It's one thing to say I'm broad in the shoulders. It's another thing to know I am, you know, X centimeters or inches wide at the shoulders or my circumference around the shoulders is this because you can then take that to different products sleep systems sleeping bags quilts etc and many of them uh, at least the good ones are going to have some information on what the shoulder girth is in a particular model and so just know what your number is know what you're looking for you'll be able to know pretty quickly is this going to fit me or it won't fit me or what type of margin would I have? Um, he, you know, for something like a traditional sleeping bag, a lot of bags are mummy cuts. There are others that, you know, aren't the old school square cut, but they're also not a mummy cut. So things like that come to mind would be Nemo. Nemo equipment has something what they call their spoon cut, which is kind of like a shaped, but roomy and specific areas, including the shoulders cut on a sleeping bag so that would be something to look at um, and there are some others he says he struggles with the idea of a quilt he didn't necessarily say why <laughs> i get that there's some mm -hmm. apprehension to quilts uh, but i will say that a quilt does sound like a really good option for this guy um, both for fit but also for versatility and many of the quilt makers do have wide versions and some of the quilt makers will do full-on custom stuff so if this guy takes some measurements and starts looking at products and can't find something to fit him you can especially in the quilt world i'm sure it exists in the sleeping bag world but don't rule out something custom that exists you're gonna have to look a little bit harder you obviously can't go to rei but some of the more boutique uh quilt or sleeping bag manufacturer manufacturers will definitely do custom work um any other suggestions steve or maybe i don't know if if we want to try to read into his yeah, mine's more specific like go to hammock gear by their wide uh, i think they have like economy quilts right that are pretty reasonably priced mm -hmm. and buy it on a wide and just start using it and uh get over the fact that you're you're struggling with a um idea of a quilt like they're freaking awesome much wider range of temperatures he hates being confined inside of a mummy bag uh, because he has broad shoulders. Um, that is not an issue, period, with a, a wide quilt like that. Uh, it's going to be lightweight. Um, yeah, and I think they're like 250 bucks or something, man. Like, yeah, that'd be pretty ideal. Uh, and, yeah, the quilts are... Uh, why everyone's not using one, I just still don't understand. Yeah, to me, it's such a no-brainer, awesome product that... Um, they just make sense. This is pulling an episode out of the archives, but we did a very in-depth episode on quilts versus sleeping bags. Uh, and it's not just a commercial just for quilts. It talks about the differences, pros and cons, etc. 
but obviously we are fans of quilts and I will link to that previous episode if guys want to hear a lot more in-depth discussion on that topic. Steve, I did want to mention, I don't know if I'm reading too much into this, but he says something like, hey, I want something budget friendly, but I'm willing to pay more to get better quality. It's, I think it's worth just like a high level, specifically for sleeping bags and quilts. What do you get on budget versus spending more? Because it's not necessarily quality per se. You want to dive into that on what are you actually getting if you spend more money typically versus something more budget friendly? Typically, more money is going is going to equate to just lighter weight. I mean, certainly the on the you know, let's say extreme ends, but you go something from like a catabatic gear that's an extremely well built quilt that I would expect to last you know, well taken care of is going to last you 20, 25 years, right? Uh, to, I don't even know. So the hammock gear I recommended there, um, I prefer the catabatic, but hammock gear makes a really good quilt. I've got one. It was the very first quilt I bought. Um, and they're just like, you know, say half the price, but I just pulled up the website. It's their, their top quilt right now is $250 for a 20 degree wide quilt, like with 850 filled down in it. I mean, that's a really good product. I wouldn't hesitate for a second to buy that. And it, and there was a 10% off thing popped up when I opened up the website. So <laughs> take another $25 off that. So 225 for a 20 degree quilt. Yeah. So uh, generally you're, you know, like tents are a good example of, uh, there's certainly exceptions like Hilleberg, right? It's going to be at the, the pinnacle of, of tent quality, but within other brands, generally you're just paying for like lighter weight fabrics um to say like a, a tent tent company like big agnes right the difference between their standard tent and their top of the line tent is just going to be a little bit lighter more technical fabrics they're going to charge you know an extra 100 200 for it they're being sewn in the exact same factory using the exact same techniques so from a durability perspective you're actually probably better off with the the cheaper one because it's going to be like a heavier fabric but uh generally you're just paying for yeah for them to shave grams and ounces off of off of their gear and typically you're paying for like efficiency meaning like you can get something that's warmer at less weight and is just more packable so it's it doesn't always change your sleeping experience and of course there's exceptions to this but it's really about hey saving weight saving space in the pack on the far extreme end of like super budget stuff you know you can look at more synthetic options there and they're just they are not going to perform as well especially the the cheaper ones they're not going to pack well they're not going to perform well um they're typically ratings are very more than optimistic um and longevity as well like you said so it is something with um sleeping bags in particular that i I don't want to say there's a sweet spot but there's definitely uh Hey, let me get something good, quality down, um, decently well built, and it's better than the really cheap options, but you also don't necessarily get much more by chasing the high, high end of things necessarily, because what all you're doing is really from that like very quality, mid to well, you know, well built 
like low high end, if that makes sense. When you start getting into the Uber premium stuff, a lot of times the dollars just don't make sense. So mm-hmm. sometimes that's even within the same company. It's like you can go from 850 to 950 fill and maybe people have the money for that. But sometimes the cost to do that, just because the cost of really, really high quality down may save you one to two ounces, but cost you, you know, $150. And for a lot of people, that just doesn't make any stinking sense. Uh, and I would put myself in that position of, quote unquote, a lot of people where that doesn't make sense. So on the very, very budget end, a lot of times you're not getting much for your money. On the very, very high end, you're paying more premium than you're really getting a benefit from. And on that mid-range you can get a whole lot. And if you're willing to make a smart decision, you're going to get something that also lasts you an incredibly long time where maybe it feels like a decent spend up front, but the longevity and what you get out of the lifetime of the product is just in all reality, extremely, extremely affordable for the life that you're going to get out of that product. And I think that applies very well to sleeping bags and quilts. Mm-hmm. And generally like on Hammock Gear's website, they have a you sit down, Phil, right? They have an 850 and a 950 and they're charging $100 extra. In my experience, the 850 is a more durable um, fill, right? It's mm-hmm. it's a little bit more stout of a fiber um, that uh, just holds up better over time. Like the 950 seems to be, you notice more of a, like after a year of use, if you wash 950, mm-hmm. like it gets really puffy again. Uh, where like the 850, I think over a year of use, doesn't lose so much of its uh, kind of loft. Um, it's a completely just anecdotal thing that I've kind of noticed over the years. Last question on this question. He didn't ask it, but I think it's worth maybe mentioning Steve. He said central Idaho backcountry spring bear to pretty much sounds like most of the fall. Um, what type of temperature range, what type of quilt or sleeping bag should he be looking at? Just 20 degree, yeah. And then if it's going to be real cold, you just sleep in your long johns and pants and down jacket. And then also the benefit of that 20 degree quilt is on a July scouting trip, you don't attach it to the pad at all, just kind of like a blanket dangling over the top of you. And the the temperature range on quilts is just so stinking awesome. Yeah. 20, yeah, just 20 degree for pretty much everything. Yeah, that's kind of a one and done. Yeah. You can certainly just make it work for, you know, you don't need uh you certainly don't need a zero or anything like that, or even 15s getting 15, like, you know, that's getting, uh, obviously exception of quilts because you can open them up, but that's, you're just packing. In my experience, you're just packing a bunch of extra weight that 99% of the time you don't need. And then, um, right. You just, you're so hot that you're not clipping the pad to it, uh, or clipping the quilt to the pad so that it breathes really well, gets a lot of ventilation. Uh, so, you know, September, certainly you can have very warm nights in October, you can have very cold nights, but you can also have very warm nights. Um, so yeah, unless you're doing a lot of like November, December, then I don't think you ever need to drop below 20. Uh, so it's, you know, strictly applying to Idaho here. Well, guys, thanks as always for tuning in. Thanks for sending your questions. If you have something for us that we can chat through on a future episode, just send an email to podcast at xomongear.com. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe or follow in your podcast app. Be sure to do that so that you receive future episodes automatically for free. 
And finally, we say this, it really does help. If you can take a second and leave a rating or review in whatever podcast app you use, that would go a long way in helping us since we don't advertise or monetize the show or anything like that. So again, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for the support. We will talk to you soon. And for some of you, we'll see you soon at Hunt Expo.